Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 35 of the Ask the Coach show. I'm Jeff Plum, and with me, as always, is Supercoach Alois Rosario. Good morning, Alois. Hi, Jeff. Good morning again. Indeed. Um, we made a bit of a mistake yesterday when we were talking about the ITTF Pro Tour or World Tour Grand Finals. We kind of just assumed that there would be a top Chinese player playing. Yeah, we did, didn't we? And I'm just looking at the uh, the list now. No Chinese playing. So, um, so yeah. So Jun, uh, Jun Mizutani um, is the um, highest qualifier, as we said. Then we've got Ovcharov, Koki Niwa, Paul Drinkle from England, number four on he the list. An excellent world tour. Yeah, he did. He did. Um, then Marcus Freitas. Yeah. Then we got. You know, Samsonov, Chung Chi Yuan. So, yeah, so, well, you know, it, it really opens it up, doesn't it, in the, uh, in the men's. And similarly, in the women's, no, uh, no Chinese players. Yes. So, um, you know, personally, I feel that that, again, has to detract from that event, not having some of the best players in the world there. Yeah, it, um, it certainly lowers the... Um, the status of the event, perhaps, but I reckon it makes it more interesting. Like, you know, yesterday when we were talking about everything, oh, yeah, well, you know, one of the Chinese guys is going to win it. Now, all these guys have got an opportunity, I think. You know, Ovcharov, Mizutani, they're all in there. What do you okay, think? So, so does the ICTF need to ban the Chinese from this? Uh, <laughs> well, maybe, uh, maybe the Chinese have put, put their, their own own uh, self-ban on it. And it's, it's obviously been a policy of theirs because for both the men's and women's um, not to have any Chinese, the Chinese have obviously um, deliberately not played enough events to qualify. Yeah, so that's really strange. I mean, we need to get to the bottom of this. Can we find out what is the reason? Was it a policy from the Chinese? Did the ITTF say, hey, it would be more interesting if you weren't playing? Or what? I mean, there'll be all sorts I'm of... Sure. Yeah, about surely the ITTF couldn't do that sort of stuff. I I think it's a I think it's a Chinese policy. But you know, if anyone's got any uh, info, let us know. Or any conspiracy theories? We love a good conspiracy theory. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. And, and there's always a few, there's always a few when it comes to uh, the Chinese and table tennis. I find there is. <laughs> Always a few. So who do you think is going to win now, Alois? Now you know oh, that there's no he's playing. Oh, yeah, well, maybe Ovcharov. I mean, um, <laughs> yeah, Ovcharov certainly, um, you know, he, he's he's a big-time performer, yeah, so he can he can play on the world stage. But, you know, there's Marcus Freitas has had a sensational season, um, you know, being part of the uh, European Teams Championship um, winning team. Um, there's always Samsonov, you know, one of my favourites. You know, can he take out your own favourite Samsonov? Does he still have it in him? Can he still take victory here? I I think so. I think you know, it, winning at the um, on on the on the world stage certainly counts for a lot. And I think you know, Samsonov has, has done that time and time again. So you know, some of these other guys. Um, have never won anything this big. Of course, Jun Mizutani in 2010 won this event, so um, so so he can win it, but he hasn't won um, a World Tour event this year. 
So, mm. you know, that, I, for me, that counts for something as well. Okay, all right. Well, let's see. All right, so that moves us on to the Ping Skillers question of the day. And yesterday we asked Alice, who is the best player in the world right now? So for the men and the women, uh, what are your thoughts? Uh, I'm really open on this. Um, I, you know, I, I still like Zhengzi Kerr just because he, just because he can win the big events. You know, so I think, I think, yeah, I, that that's why I like Zhengzi Kerr. Yeah, indeed. And then on the women's, Uh yeah, you know, Ding Ning is really impresses me always. You know, again, she, just just her game really impresses me. Yeah, indeed. So right now I'm going to have to go with Fancy Dong. I love him. Impressive yeah. young character, unbelievable talent. Um, and the women, yeah, I think I'm going to stick with Ding Ning. She's just hard to go past. Just so consistent. So um, let's go on to the Pink Seals question for today, and it is. Have you ever seen yourself play on video and did you find it useful? So, um, yeah, leave a comment. Well, you can leave a comment about anything, but answer the Ping Skillers question. Tell us about your thoughts on the ITTF World Tour. And, um, yeah, just we'll get stuck into the conversations later and reply to your responses. Okay. So, next, um, we're going to move on and we're going to ask, should players allow their opponent to examine each other's rackets before a match? That's a question from Shezzy. Now, she asked this, Alice, because at her local league, she saw some players with funny rubbers come up before the match and show their batters a courtesy, and others don't. Yep. Well, it's actually a rule that you you have to show your opponent your racket before the match. So just before you start, um, you know, when the umpire's doing the, the toss for serving and all that sort of thing, that's when it usually occurs. Um, players just exchange rackets so that you can examine exactly what um, what your opponent's using. So uh, so it's actually a rule and it's something that you need to do. So there it is. Okay, there you go, Jesse. So, um, yes, get people to show you their racket before. And I think it's a good idea because then... The whole point of bringing the red and black was so that people knew what side they were using. So it's it's I think it's important that people understand what their opponent's using before the match. Okay, the next question is from Luke, and Luke says, "Is it better to serve short topspin, or would it be better to serve short sidespin, or a short topspin sidespin serve?" Okay, Luke. Yeah. So um, for me, you need to have all those three in your kit bag so you need to be able to do all of those three because the subtle variation is what's going to win you points so work on the side spin work on the top spin and work on the side spin top spin and then the important thing is to try and make those three serves look as similar as possible to your opponent so that he can't tell the the difference and make slight errors. You know, you, you mightn't see as much topspin as you've got and pop the ball up a little bit higher and uh, that allows you to make the attack. So um, have all three available to you. Utilize all three in a game. See what your opponent, that particular opponent doesn't like and then try to uh, use the variation to get those little um, advantages that allow you to attack or um, makes them make an error. Yeah, and don't forget the backspin serve as well. Yeah, backspin's always good. Backspin is uh, is probably the most important serve because that um, 
does make it harder for your opponent to attack the, the serve. Yeah, but I think the, the real key is that there's no one serve that you should use for everybody, is there, Alice? It's more about uh, finding the serve that's going to cause the opponent you're playing the most difficulty. Yeah, that's right. You've got to tailor it to that particular opponent and at that particular time and, and for that particular point. So, you know, you might have served three um, side spin serves in the previous three serves you've had, and then if you add the top spin serve next, then that can uh, cause the error. So it's it's not only the, the particular opponent, but it's that particular time in that particular match that you need to decide what which of those serves you're going to use. Okay, excellent. All right, I hope that helps you out, Luke. All right, next, Dieter has asked a question about teaching people. He says, should I first explain the grip, let them play with the proper grip, then the stance, footwork, ball mechanics, full strokes, etc., or should I explain a full stroke, including all those aspects, and then correct all aspects together while observing? Yeah, so, <coughs> interesting, Dieter. So, for this particular area... I think, firstly, it's it's good to just see what they can do completely. So as a complete game, it's nice to just examine what they do. Then I think you can start to work on a particular aspect. So, for example, if they aren't gripping the bat correctly, you need to get that right first. Um, then you can start to think about um, particular strokes that you want to improve in their game as well. Um, so you might work on the forehands, work on the backhand. You can work on a few at the same time when you're when you're training. But um, but yeah, it's good to have a focus on one or two particular types of things that you want to improve. Um, Dita, in um, his full question that you'll see on our Ask the Coach page as well, um, also talks about when you're learning a particular stroke. Should you learn the full stroke or learn the start position um, or just learn a particular part of that stroke, you know, your elbow or, or whatever it is, um, or, um, should, yeah, or should you do the full thing? And for that, data, it's good to try and uh, learn the full stroke. And that's why we teach um, the start and finish position a lot in our lessons. So by having the start and finish correct, then and linking those two, you start to learn the full stroke. If then there's a particular part of that stroke that you need to change, um, then you can start to focus on that. So maybe for the backhand, we, if you want to talk about you know your elbow position during the stroke, then you can start to think about that uh, in particular while you're playing. So. So um, it's good to do the full, then examine the little parts of it and change those little parts and then take it back to the full stroke again when, when you're learning technique. Excellent. All right, that's a good answer, Alois. Um, I hope that helps you out, Dieter. Um, just jump right in, start coaching, and the more you practice coaching, the better you're going to get at it, just like everything. And it's great to hear you. Uh, passing on skills to others. Uh, good luck with that, Dieter. The next question is from Earl, and Earl says, when I go to tournaments, I see some players playing with a long stroke and some players playing with a shorter stroke. Um, what factors count on choosing which is going to be best for me and which is the more advisable stroke? Yeah, so um, 
the length of your stroke is often determined by the amount of time you've got. Okay, so that's the first thing. And then secondly, on the um, on the strength of stroke that you want to play as well. So I think as in the perfect world, you want to have you know a nice big stroke where you're really following through and playing playing um, really strong, because in most situations that's going to be the stroke that um, that you want to play. But often you don't get that time. So often the ball's on on you too fast, and you haven't got time to play that full stroke and recover for the next stroke. So that's when you need to compromise a little bit and shorten your strokes up a little bit. So time is the critical factor here. Uh, the more time you've got, the bigger stroke you can play. The less time you've got, then you need to compromise, shorten it up, use your wrist a little bit more rather than the full arm. So. Okay, that's good advice there, Alice. I also notice sometimes the difference between some players. Um, like in the past, if you think about uh, Gazian, he used to have the shortest swing, but he used to have incredible rotation, and so he was still able to generate a lot of power. But if you compare it with, um, say, Wang Li Chin, he's got this really long stroke all the time. So is there anything about the differences with those two strokes as well? Yeah. Um, with, with, with the shorter strokes, you need to really have um, incredibly good timing um, and incredibly good um, feel and contact on the ball. Um, I think I think it becomes a lot more risky. You know, your, your Gatien um, type stroke was really, really short um, with the arm, but yes, he did use a lot of body. But again, the the, the contact is uh, is is riskier. Whereas uh, Wang Li Chin, yeah. Yeah, you don't see many players still playing like that style. I mean, Timo Boll might have a slightly shorter stroke than Wang Li Chin, but, I mean, in general, there's a lot of principles that are just exactly the same. Yes, yeah. And, you know, I always say go, go, to, the, go to the top. You know, have a look at the Chinese and their technique. Um, it's, it's beautiful to watch because it's so correct. Um, in their action when they're playing, and you know, then they have that that bigger bigger stroke that they play. Excellent. All right. Well, that's a good question, Earl. Um, I hope we've helped you out there, and good luck with your uh, forehand top spins. All right. Next, Long has asked us a question. He says, "How does Kenta do his tomahawk serve, both the reverse and the normal one? It is quite difficult to return that serve. Could you give me some clue?" To make that serve even better when I try it. Yeah, so uh, yeah, Kenta's certainly got a good one of those serves. So Kenta, um, he gets down really low is the first thing, so he, he um, so that he can swing through with his racket um, all the way through that way. So with the normal serve, he's hitting the ball on one side of the racket. For the reverse serve, he's changing the angle at the last minute. And coming through the other way. So instead of hitting it on this side of the racket, he comes through and hits it on the other side of the racket. So that's how he does the serve. The, the important thing, though, is that he really gets a good swing through on it. So that's how he's generating the amount of spin that he is. So he's utilizing his wrist, his fingers, his forearm, and really ripping through um, the contact. And that's the key to Kenta's, Kenta's serve. Um, and, and of course, the deception with the one that he goes um, on the other side as well. It's a, it's a serve that a lot of people 
uh, or not many people do, so it becomes harder for uh, for his opponents to to learn. And we we do have um, a lesson on the tomahawk serve in our serving secrets, but um, we've also got um, a bit of an idea on on Kenta's serve as well um, in the previous Ask the Coach question. Okay, excellent, Long. So um, we'll put some links in for you to take a look at that. But just give it a go. Try and get down nice and low. Bend your knees down nice and low and just practice getting that bat moving through fast and hitting the ball with a nice brushing contact. I'm sure with some practice you'll get it. Good luck. All right, well, that wraps up Ask the Coach Show, episode 35. Thanks again for watching or listening if you're doing it on the audio podcast. And we will catch you again tomorrow. But before I go, I've got to tell you, look at our website, pingskills.com, and sign up for our free newsletter. We've got lots of tips in there. Thanks, everyone, and we'll catch you again tomorrow. Thanks, Alois. Thanks, Jeff. Have a great day, everyone.